In today's eighth episode of the Sports and Psychology Podcast, we have a fun episode planned. We're talking about flopping, or in soccer, diving. Why we do it, why we love it, and an approach to becoming a great flopper, or a great diver if that's what you want. So if you're a coach, player, or sports enthusiast, and you love, hate, or a mix of the two, flopping and diving, just like the rest of us, then you're right where you want to be. Welcome to the Sports and Psychology Podcast, the weekly Saturday morning pod where we talk all things athletes, tactics, performance, and most importantly, mindset. I'm your host, letting them three balls fly, Cord Thomas. I'm a mindset coach specializing in sports psychology, performance, stress, and anxiety reduction, and mental preparation, having helped hundreds of clients and tens of professional athletes exceed their potential, reach their goals, and lead fulfilling lives. After becoming a two-time Taekwondo Junior Olympic medalist and moving from the US to Europe to study and play basketball, I found my passion in the psychology of success. Before we hop into things, do me a favor, hit that follow button below the video or the pod to get updates on new episodes. And if you're here with me on YouTube, hit me with a like and a comment. Thank you for making the Sports and Psychology Pod your first Saturday morning listen. If you want to reach out and connect with me or join in our mailbag episode, which I hope is coming soon once I get enough questions from you all, you can find me on Instagram at athlete.m1ndset, Twitter, athlete.m1ndset, or email me at sportsandpsychologypod at gmail.com. Let's hop into things. Since I am traveling in the upcoming weeks, this and the next few podcasts are going to be without the news and notes section, so that I can record ahead and keep rolling out the content for you. That being said, let's dive, pun definitely intended, into things. So, first of all, what is flopping? Let's define it, right? For me, the classic definition of flopping, especially in basketball, is more on the defensive end used. I'm defending, someone runs into me, I flail my arms, yell, and I fall back on the floor hoping for an offensive foul. Hoping that the referees will give me the benefit of the doubt and give us the ball because maybe it was an offensive foul, maybe it was premeditated, maybe I just made a bad play and didn't have any other options, maybe I'm not physically equipped, or maybe I'm trying to draw a foul on a really important player from the other team and it was definitely premeditated. I would add another definition of flopping here, and that's on the offensive end. James Harden, fantastic definition, we'll get to him later, but you know, I'm driving towards the basket, I have the ball, I reach out, and as I'm going up, I feel touched, and so I throw up my arms. Arms go in the air, I yell, or, or even we've seen LeBron recently clap his hands, clap his own hands, hoping for a foul call, and we hope that the referees bite on the fake. What is diving? Diving in football is when someone purposefully falls, usually face first onto the ground, chest first onto the ground, pretending that they've been tripped by a defender, hoping again for a foul call. Usually we see diving inside the box, meaning that someone's getting set up for a penalty kick. Why dive? There's no easier way to score in soccer and European football than a penalty kick. Absolutely. Oftentimes, I 
think that people do it once they already feel like they've lost the ball, lost control, lost their footing, don't have any options. And, and so that's when they hit the ground. Diving is an easy way to gain an advantage in a game. And it is part of the game. Why do we as fans, as other players, feel so strongly about it? Love it, hate it. You know, usually the players on, who are on our team that we're fans of or, or that we play with, someone who flops, well, if, if we're playing with them, maybe we don't love it. But uh, what, what makes it so intriguing? Maybe that's how I would ask. It creates a really awkward moment in games. Someone falls on the floor, you know. Marcus Smart is a fantastic example. Recently in the game against James Harden, James Harden gave him a little nudge and Marcus Smart flew from the three-point line, you know, on the ground, on his back, all the way to the baseline. A good four meters, probably. A, that's amazing, that's talent. Fantastic acting. B, it's extremely awkward. Everyone's standing, looking around, going, what just happened? Why isn't the referee acting? We are so trained in sport that when someone hits the deck, when someone falls on the ground, when someone flies across the court, across the field, it's a foul. And so that happens and everyone kind of stops. So why do we love it? Why do we hate it? It's an awkward moment. It's an awkward moment that takes our entire attention. And so we're completely focused on it and love, hate, strong emotion. Yeah, because all your attention is there. And uh, it, it takes people out of the normal game. So, so it's a place to pause. And is it frustrating when someone is getting every single foul call, even, even if people aren't touching them? Absolutely. It is. So, hey, is it wonderful when your star player gets every single foul call? Absolutely love. So it's something that we as fans have strong feelings towards, and it is part of the game. Unfortunately, probably for a lot of us, we tend to believe and we tend to think about sports as fair, as something where there are rules and those rules never get exploited. Flopping, diving is the exploitation of the fact that there are rules and those rules cannot be fairly judged. That's the reality of it. And that's why we feel so strongly about it. All right, we're going to take a short break now. And we've gone over what flopping is and diving is and why we feel so strongly about them. Now in the second segment, we're going to hop into what makes the best floppers and divers, who they are and why they are some of the best or most notorious. Stick with me. It is time to talk about this podcast. We've been through topics such as off-season goal setting, getting out of your head and micro goals, why players move back to Europe and choose where they want to play, why athletes get tattoos and why they're helpful, integrating new teammates, going game speed, how to approach improving your skills, Draymond Green and dealing with aggression, and now flopping and diving. So go back and give the previous episodes a listen. I am here every week giving you premium content for free, and I appreciate you, dear listener. So take a moment today, go to someone, tell them why you love the podcast, and uh, that they might get something from it as well. The best way to spread the word about a podcast is word of mouth. So telling someone that this, is, this would be great for them, that you enjoy listening, would help the pod, and it's going to help them as well. Thank you for listening. and. Thank you for staying with me here every Saturday.
We are back, and here in the second segment, we are talking about what makes the best floppers and divers. Then, in the third segment, I'm going to give you a nice blueprint for how to become a great flopper or diver yourself, because maybe that's what you want, maybe that's why you're here. Before maybe pumping the brakes and asking ourselves if this really is something we want to do in our sport. So, let's get into that second segment, what makes the best floppers and divers. Let's talk about well-known flopper number one, Marcus Smart. So I mentioned him in the first segment. What makes Marcus Smart an amazing flopper? He's small. It's believable. It's believable that when Marcus Smart flies across the floor, when a bit taller, bit maybe stronger, and that's debatable, Marcus Smart is a really strong guy, but physically it looks realistic when a much taller guy bumps into him and he flies. Because we have, in our understanding of physics, in our understanding of human beings, this idea that if a taller person bumps into a smaller person, it's normal that that smaller person may fly. Where his gravity is a lot lower to the ground and he is a truck of a person in terms of how much strength he has. When he wants to be strong, he is. He knows how to sell it. Um, so, A, it's believable. Why is it also believable? B, reputation. Marcus Smart has an amazing reputation as a great defender, as someone who stops people. And if you have a great reputation for something, we're back to it's believable. We're back to, well, a great defender isn't just going to fly on the ground for no good reason. Something must have happened. Those immediate processes that happen as a referee. I've seen this guy 20 times down the floor give it his all and really defend hard and now he's flying. Something must have happened. Where if we take a couple seconds and think about it and go, but this person also has a reputation for flopping and, and it's possible that he wasn't touched and this was pre-planned now, sports are too fast for that. Referees have to make split second decisions. So A, it's believable because of his size. B, it's believable because of his reputation. C, it's believable because his skill and his effort out on the field, out on the court in this case, we know that he's putting in all the effort. Why? It, it is illogical for someone putting in as much effort as possible to start acting, to start flying on the floor when they've been getting up in people's grills. D, Marcus Smart is a great actor. <laughs> That's it. If someone can act, then they can flop. The face, the, the arms, the, the body control necessary to fly across the floor and not be hurt on your back, not hit anyone, and make the referees make a decision. Put them in an awkward spot. Make everyone stare at you in the entire arena because you've just flown across the floor. That is amazing acting. And it's taken practice. And I can guarantee you, every single one of you listeners, Marcus Smart has practiced his flopping. Oh yes, most definitely. Used in practice, probably has spent hours on it, making sure that when he does it, it is as believable as possible, like if someone hit him with a sledgehammer. Player number two I wanna talk about is James Harden, who I wouldn't classify classically James Harden as a flopper. I mean, he's an NBA player, they all do it. But why is he great at it? Now, we're not talking defensive end, we're talking offensive end here. James Harden draws a ton of fouls. Why? A, I'm back to skill set. I'm back to the fact that if James Harden got to the rim 
without being touched 10 times out of 10, especially on the left side, I'd believe that he'd make every single one. He's a great player. We see it. We see that he has the skills to get past people, and he's not botching layups left and right. He's, he's not missing things that are right close to the rim. So if he misses, we say, ah, oh, he must have been fouled. We see it on the court. Same as Marcus Smart. B, reputation. All-star, really great player. Reputation says, this is a great player. So even if I'm not seeing it on a given night, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he has that reputation as a, as a referee. C, this is something we haven't talked about with Marcus Smart. He is awkward on purpose. The same way Marcus Smart's awkwardness of I just fell on the floor and flew across the court for three meters gets everyone's attention. James Harden's awkward movements gets attention because they're not used to what we're seeing from a young age with basketball where someone's going up for a layup and they keep the ball here and they're in tight moving back and forth. They're, they have the ball close to their chin. No, James Harden is pulling his arms straight out forward and gathering contact and bringing his arms up and down and up and down and then trying to go up for a shot. <laughs> and he's looking for the contact and as soon as that contact happens, flail. It works. Why does it work? There's a reputation. There's the real thing. It's believable. And it's, it's an advantage if I can show the referees that there's been a foul. If he's not doing that, if he's staying in close, he's scoring. 70% of the points that he already scores, but why not take advantage of scoring points at the free throw line, which for such a great shooter like James Harden, free points. Why not take those free points? It's part of the game. So learning how to manipulate the defense with what I'm already good at and then flail on top of it and get extra fouls and get extra points, why not? It's believable. He has the reputation. He's learned how to be awkward and draw attention. And he also can be a great actor. There is a lot of practice there, both in the awkwardness to, to be able to do what he does with his arms uh, and still finish, but also ton of core strength, obviously. But also there's there's facial acting, there, there's the, oh, I just got hit, you know, the, the yell with, with the shot. And it's not all the time they're used at specific times for a reason when the player believes that it's believable. And obviously there's then the talking to the refs saying, you know, if I don't get the call, what, what happened? Why didn't I get the call? All right, diving, well-known divers. I don't completely actively follow soccer, follow football. I definitely do the NBA. I try and do the WNBA. I try and keep up with hockey. So I did my beautiful Google search and definitely watched a bunch of YouTube footage. From what I could find, one of the most well-known maybe hated, most hated floppers is Luis Suarez. Played for Barcelona, played with Messi. Um, Luis Suarez is smart. Why is it believable when he dives? I think the, the reason why it's most believable is he gets into a position where he's about to score and then he only dives once he's lost all opportunity to score is what it looked like to me from all the footage I had seen. So he gets into a position to score, he looks like he's about to score, and at that split second, that tenth of a second, where he loses the ball, or where he loses control, boom, here comes the acting, I'm on the floor. Someone in complete control of the situation, ready to score, they're on the ground. Something must have happened. Great acting, obviously he then goes to 
hold on to his leg for 30 seconds or whatever that is showing that he got touched even though he might not have really practiced it's something where in order to look that in control you really have to be in control and sometimes things get away from us even when we're really practiced and really skilled but there's that high level of skill there is a reputation for being able to score obviously and that in combination with the split second decision i know i've lost it i'm hitting the deck now and i'm gonna make it look as dramatic as possible gets him a lot of foul calls on the other team giving them an advantage and an easy goal in important games the last name i'm going to touch on here is ashley young he is one of the more from what i've seen hated floppers hated divers in soccer and Curious to me, a lot of his more infamous flopping seems to have happened from outside the box, in areas where the team doesn't actually get penalty calls, which is interesting. In any case, he's giving his team an advantage in giving them a set piece. They're able to set up and get a good look either way. It's still an advantage over trying to work three on five, four on six, what have you, in a defense that's back and and set up. I'll be honest. Some of those clips are really blatant, (laughs) jumping over someone's legs and then flying and leaving his leg back there to catch it. Yeah. If he believes it's giving his team an advantage over the position they were in, why wouldn't he do it? And again, skill, reputation, and believability. He's not just flying. He's leaving his legs back there. There's practice there. There is a practice of how do I make my moves look as close to actually being fouled as possible. How do I leave my leg back when jumping over someone, when they're tackling me, after clearing it, to not get hurt and still draw a foul? That's amazing. That's a talent. Acting in sports is a talent. And uh, as long as fouls are part of sport, why not act to get more fouls and more advantages for my team? We've noticed a couple of things in common with these players. Skill. They have to have a great skill. It has to be believable. Two, reputation. There has to be a reputation from the referee side, at least within the game, but ideally overall, that it's a great player and they know what they're doing and they're really good at what they're doing at the moment. And they're not just going to fall out of nowhere. That makes it believable. Three, acting. And probably training. Being able to go back and practice, practice, practice how I get the calls I want. We are going to take another short break, and when we come back, we're going to cover how to become a great diver or flopper, why we would want to, and what it takes. Stick with me, we'll be right back. It is time for me to talk about my services. One of my favorite topics with clients is career pathing, visioning, planning, and building motivation and driving towards success. I have quite a few clients that come and either are not sure what they will do after their sport, how to reach their goals to play in one of the top leagues in the world, or I also have plenty of non-athlete clients who are stuck or unhappy career-wise in life and looking for help on finding something that would be fulfilling. I love building personality profiles with clients, helping them to get to know themselves and a vision of their future selves together, and finding what it is that lights a fire behind someone's eyes. I've helped hundreds of clients creatively come up with a plan that makes them excited to wake up in the morning and work towards their goals. If this sounds like something you need, 
then reach out now. Send me a few sentences on what you're struggling with and I'll tell you directly whether or not we would be a good match and if not, I'll do my best to recommend someone who would. I work with athletes 15 years of age and older and all other clients from 17 plus and each session is only $60 at the moment. And when I say at the moment, I mean at the moment it's going to get more expensive as we go. I work on individual needs and all of my sessions are completely personalized to your needs and goals, whether that's online or in person. So take a look at booking a session directly at Coaching Praha, that's coachingpraha.com slash book online, or reach out to me on Instagram at athlete.m1ndset, Twitter, athlete.m1ndset, or email me at sportsandpsychologypod at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Sports and Psychology Podcast. In the second segment, we covered some of the most well-known floppers or divers in the basketball and soccer world. Now in the third segment, we're going to dive into how to get good at it and why we might want to. I'm going to tackle the why first. Damian Lillard is my example. The first four or five years in the NBA, he didn't get many foul calls and he was getting fouled. He was so strong that he wasn't getting bumped off his spot and he was getting to the hoop but couldn't finish or, or was finishing and wasn't getting the extra foul, the extra points because he wasn't doing anything extra and he was strong and is strong. Gets to the hoop, makes his move, boom, it's in. Where's the foul call? I'm getting fouled. He went back and said, I'm being aggressive. I'm doing all the things necessary to get the fouls and I'm getting fouled. Why aren't I getting the calls? The answer was, It was believable with his skills level, he was going through the fouls and still putting up amazing numbers, but he wasn't embellishing. And so the refs weren't noticing it. The refs weren't noticing that his body was being bumped because he didn't move. He kept going, powering through it, which is amazing. But if I can get an extra point here or there, that's going to make a difference to the end result of the game. So he went back and he learned, well, first he probably asked himself, what am I good at? And when am I getting fouled? When can I get fouled? Fantastic. Okay, now I know what I'm good at. So I'm good at going right to left, crossover dribble, going left to the rim, getting bumped, finishing with my left. That's something that Damian Lillard has done since he was a rookie. Okay. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm getting bumped. What can I do to draw a foul? And now here's the fun part. You won't see it much in his rookie seasons, but Dame wasn't falling on the ground after a lot of shots. He wasn't, when being bumped, there wasn't the body movement because he wanted to finish the shot successfully. Now when he gets bumped, the body flies. So he literally put work into when I feel contact, I'm going to move my body. He put work into when I feel contact, arms flail. Whatever to show the referees that contact is being made. You hear him yelling a lot more now, which he didn't do multiple seasons in the beginning. He put the work in and it has brought huge benefits to him. What if we look at the business perspective? It's kind of like if I wanted to do less work for my job, I would take the example of maybe a car salesman. If I've heard from five people that someone is really fair, 
I could totally be faked out. I could totally be ripped off by that person. That person could put a whole lot less effort into what they're doing to sell me a car than someone who I go into it expecting that they're going to try and cheat me. Reputation, skills. It has to be believable. If that person comes in and looks goofy and doesn't know what he's talking about, red flags go up immediately. There has to be proof, a skill level, that this person knows what they're doing and I can believe the reputation I've heard. And then, yeah, take my money and I'm gonna believe that it was fair because I've heard it, you have a reputation and you have, and you've proven to me somehow that you have the skill level. Common line, believability, skill, reputation. So if we want to become good floppers or divers, if we want to become people who, who manipulate the sport and the referees and gain advantages for our team, then A, we have to create a reputation for ourselves. We have to go in with the re reputation that, man, this guy is a great three-point shooter, or man, this guy can really get to the rim and he scores when he does. B, we have to prove that skill first in the games, that it's there, that there is control, that we can get to the goal, that, that we're faster than other players, that we're hitting those three-pointers, that we're driving to the rim and scoring, and then C, we have to add the acting, move the body when we're touched or not touched, it doesn't matter at that point. If it's believable, we can manipulate the sport as much as we want. There's a level to this where flopping and diving ideally shouldn't be premeditated. For it to be believable, we can't have it completely premeditated. Now on the defensive end, there's a split second where we can kind of premeditate it. We see someone charging at us, or we know someone has a tendency to push out their arm. We can premeditate when to dive back. But other than that, ideally, these things should come based on the training that we've done and when we feel contact or when we would usually expect contact, then we have a learned set of actions that our body automatically takes to draw the fouls. Referees are part of the game, and that's okay. Referees are part of the game. Why not use them to our advantage? An advantage is an advantage. If it helps us win the game, you did your job. Fantastic. Something that defenses especially are always going to do is try and find areas where the ref isn't watching. They're going to push the limits of the rules. Flopping, diving, keeps defenses honest. If someone has a reputation for acting a little bit, I'm going to be extra careful because I know probably that's going to get me in trouble in the game. So if we want to keep defenses honest, if we want to make sure that everything is actually fair, we're not getting fouled, we're, we're not getting pushed in certain areas, then a bit of flopping or diving probably doesn't hurt. Now, if you want to be stubborn and tell me, Cord, I want to play honestly, the advantage for me isn't as, as important as me feeling like I'm playing fairly. That's amazing. Hats off to ya. You're, you're, you have a higher moral standard than I do. To me, winning, doing everything I can to be the best in my sport is the most important thing. Not quite the same for business, but if I can do the best I can in my sport, even if that means falling on the floor every once in a while, even when I could have stood up. Yes!
absolutely do it. I hope that you've had a great time here with me discussing flopping and diving. If you have other ideas, comments, or just completely disagree with me, make sure you send me an email at sportsandpsychologypod at gmail.com and I'll definitely respond. I think it's great to know that if we truly excel at something, people are going to try and take that away in our sport, and we can use our reputation and a bit of acting or over-exaggerating to gain our advantage back. Thank you for listening or watching here on YouTube to the Sports and Psychology Podcast. Please tell your friends if you like the pod. I'm streaming every Saturday morning everywhere you can find podcasts as well as on YouTube. If you want to get your questions into a mailbag or give me your thoughts, give me a comment below on YouTube or reach out on Instagram at athlete.m1ndset, Twitter, athlete.m1ndset, or email at sportsandpsychologypod at gmail.com. Do me a favor and hit that like and subscribe button and make sure to leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And in the words of Blazers rookie Jabari Walker, don't let today get the best of you. Get the best of today. Have a great weekend, everyone. Talk to you next week. Thank <laughs> you.